Welcome to Insights, a production of J.P. Morgan Asset Management. Insights is an audio podcast that provides perspective on the opportunities and uncertainties facing investors today. Today's program, the Market Insights Notes on the Week Ahead. Hello, this is David Kelly. I'm Chief Strategist here at J.P. Morgan Funds. Today is January 19th, 2021. Before leaving the Oval Office on Inauguration Day in 1993, George Herbert Walker Bush penned a note to his successor and left it on his desk. It ended, You will be our president when you read this note. I wish you well. I wish your family well. Your success now is our country's success. I am rooting hard for you. Good luck, George. It was a gracious sentiment well expressed. And while it reflected the basic decency of our 41st president, it also encapsulated his reverence for the peaceful and dignified transfer of power which is at the heart of our democracy. Despite the disgraceful scenes witnessed in Washington almost two weeks ago, the votes of Americans have been carefully and conscientiously counted, and this transfer will take place on schedule on Wednesday. Last Thursday, ahead of the inauguration, President-elect Biden outlined proposals which, if implemented, could have profound social and economic effects, as well as impacts on the broad direction of monetary and fiscal policy. Without a Senate majority, very little of this program would likely have been implemented. However, with the Democrats' victory in the Georgia runoff elections, much more of this agenda could be enacted, and will likely help shape the investment landscape for years to come. So for investors, it's worth considering... 1. What is in the plan? 2. How much of it is likely to be implemented? 3. What could it mean for the economy? 4. How could it impact fiscal and monetary policy? And last, what does it mean for investors? Let's start with the plan itself. In his speech, President-elect Biden laid out a two-step process, a rescue plan, which he wants to push through Congress as quickly as possible, and a recovery plan, which he will outline in more depth in his address to a joint session of Congress in February. The rescue plan, as proposed, would cost roughly $1.9 trillion. It includes $160 billion to fund vaccination, testing and other health measures to end the pandemic, $170 billion to help schools and colleges reopen safely, roughly $465 billion to fund a new round of stimulus checks at $1,400 per person, roughly $350 billion to fund extended unemployment benefits through September, including coverage for gig workers and a $400 per week enhancement. $350 billion in aid to state and local governments. Other budget measures, including an expanded child tax credit, more money for childcare, further aid for struggling landlords and renters, and enhancements to the earned income tax credit and nutritional assistance. In addition to the budget measures, the Biden Rescue Plan calls for raising the federal minimum wage to $15 per hour. There should be both a will and a way for most of this plan to pass Congress. The will comes from the sheer urgency of the situation. COVID-19 has already killed 400,000 Americans, with the weekly death toll now exceeding 20,000. In addition, sharp declines in both employment and retail sales in December speak to the economic impact of the renewed pandemic. If federal money is going to help speed vaccinations or reopen schools in the current school year, it will need to be appropriated as quickly as possible. This reality will put tremendous pressure on congressional Democrats to paper over any internal differences and pass a rescue plan as fast as possible. Moreover, with control of the Senate, Democrats have a way to do this. While Senate rules require most legislation to receive 60 votes to avoid a filibuster, one bill, 
The annual budget reconciliation bill can pass with 51 votes, provided all matters contained therein have a non-incidental impact on the budget, and that the bill does not increase the deficit beyond a 10-year window. This second condition is normally met by scheduling a phase-out of tax breaks close to the end of the 10 years and then extending them in a future reconciliation bill. Because no budget has yet been approved for the current fiscal year, which started last October, Democrats effectively get two bites of the apple this year in using reconciliation bills to pass the proposals. They will presumably try to use one to pass the rescue plan and one to pass the recovery plan. For the rescue plan, Democrats should be able to muster 50 votes for most of President-elect Biden's proposals, although there is the potential for some pushback from one or two centrist Democrats or the possibility of some horse trading to secure votes. It should be noted that raising the federal minimum wage to $15 may have to be omitted from a reconciliation bill based on Senate rules. If this occurs, Democrats could reintroduce it as a standalone measure, although it would likely have a hard time getting the 60 Senate votes it would then need for passage. Even without a minimum wage increase, the Biden rescue plan would have a significant impact on the economy in 2021. The aid to state and local governments would bolster employment in an area that has shed 1.4 million jobs since February. Extended, expanded and enhanced unemployment benefits through September should significantly reduce poverty until the pandemic winds down. Importantly, however, a $400 weekly supplement, as opposed to the $600 supplement in the CARES Act, would give most laid-off workers a financial incentive to return to work when possible. New checks of $1,400 per person, up to certain income limits, would further support those suffering financial hardship from the pandemic, as well as many who have remained relatively unscathed from a financial perspective. This would support consumption over the next few months and could lead to a spending boom in the fourth quarter, when many families will have opportunities to spend on services, which are now shut down completely. Additional spending on vaccination, testing and contact tracing could end the pandemic, while reducing its future death toll. This, combined with more spending on getting schools ready for the fall, would further stimulate the economy. The overall macroeconomic impact of the plan would be dramatic because of its size and the speed with which it is likely to be implemented. We estimate that nominal GDP in the fourth quarter of 2020 was $21.5 trillion annualized, and that before the Biden rescue plan, nominal GDP was on track to rise by 6.4% year-over-year by the fourth quarter of this year, comprised of a 4.4% gain in real GDP and a 2% increase in the GDP deflator. In a conservative simulation of the impact of the plan on the economy, we assume that A, the final cost of the Biden plan has passed is $1.5 trillion, B, $1.2 trillion of this is dispersed between now and the end of September, and C, that the total multiplier impact of the spending on GDP is 0.8, allowing for some saving until the end of the pandemic and splurging thereafter. In this simulation, the Biden rescue plan could boost nominal GDP growth to 11.4% year-over-year by the end of this year, most of which would come in the form of stronger real GDP growth, although it would also likely result in higher prices, as hyped-up demand confronted a limited supply of services. This could push the consumption deflation inflation rate above the Fed's 2% target and cut the unemployment rate to below 5% by the end of the year. The phasing out of these effects would, of course, slow economic growth in 2022. However, this could be offset by extra infrastructure spending from the recovery plan later this year. While the Biden plan would likely lead to accelerated GDP growth and a faster return to full employment, it would, of course, come with a budget price. Last September, the Congressional Budget Office projected a budget deficit for the current fiscal year of just over $1.8 trillion, assuming no further coronavirus relief measures. 
the $900 billion package passed at the end of 2020 would have boosted that number to just over $2.5 trillion. If, as assumed earlier, the Biden rescue plan is $1.5 trillion in total, with $1.2 trillion being spent in the, this fiscal year, the deficit could rise to $3.7 trillion for the current fiscal year before falling very sharply in 2022. The debt in the hands of the public could rise to over 106% of GDP by the end of the fiscal year, from just over 100% of GDP at the end of fiscal 2020. Many have asked when this level of debt will become a problem. The short answer is that this is really a matter of interest rates. Last fiscal year, net interest in the national debt was a manageable $345 billion, or 1.6% of GDP. However, this was achieved only because the federal government was able to finance its debt at the super low interest rate of roughly 2%. If that average interest rate were to rise quickly in the years ahead, the government would have to increase borrowing significantly just to make payments on the debt. Maintaining fiscal stability depends in part on setting out a glide path to get back to budget balance. However, in the interim, it is crucial not to overheat the economy or overstrain the bond market in a way that triggers higher long-term rates for Fed tightening. The Federal Reserve, under Jay Powell, has of course urged lawmakers to adopt aggressive fiscal stimulus since the start of the pandemic. They have also signaled that they won't raise the federal funds rate until they have achieved their targets of inflation at 2% and on track to exceed 2%, and maximum employment, which many have taken to imply an unemployment rate below 4%. They've also indicated that they won't begin to taper bond purchases until substantial further progress has been made towards these goals. At the December FOMC meeting, the Federal Reserve projected real economic growth over the course of 2021 of 4.2%, with an inflation rate of 1.8% and unemployment in the fourth quarter of 5%. All other things equal, the Biden rescue plan should cause the economy to overshoot these forecasts on growth and inflation and cut the unemployment rate to well below 5%. While the Federal Reserve will still likely retain a dovish tilt over the next few years, such an acceleration in growth could well trigger a more aggressive tapering of bond purchases, resulting in higher long-term interest rates and a steepening of the yield curve. For investors, higher long-term rates would, of course, be a negative for long-term bonds and would make current stock valuations harder to justify. Faster economic growth in the short run could boost cyclical stocks and particularly financial stocks relative to defensives. Stronger wage growth from a hotter economy could eat into margins. While the rescue plan does not include higher taxes, the recovery plan later this year will likely include higher taxes on corporations and upper-income individuals. It should be noted, however, that there may not be 50 votes in the Senate for any tax increases in the short run. However, later this decade, if interest costs in the national debt start to become unmanageable, higher taxes may be inevitable. The more we borrow today, the greater will those tax hikes be in the future. The plan would have mixed impacts on the dollar with stronger near-term growth and a tighter monetary policy boosting exchange rate, but greater consumer spending leading to higher trade deficits and potentially weakening the dollar. With current valuations at very high levels, 2021 already looked like a difficult year for financial assets. On balance, the Biden rescue plan, if implemented, could add to those challenges. That being said, before we are investors, or Republicans or Democrats for that matter, We are citizens of a world that has seen tremendous human suffering in the last year from a devastating pandemic. All of us should be rooting for an early end to that misery, and the Biden rescue plan does appear to offer hope in that direction. The problems that Bill Clinton confronted when he entered the Oval Office 28 years ago this week pale in comparison to the challenges that Joe Biden will face as president. But to paraphrase George H.W. Bush, his success will be our success. However we voted in the last election, we should all now be rooting for him to succeed. 
Well, that's it for this week. Please tune in again next week. And if you have any questions in the meantime, please reach out to your JP Morgan representative. This content has been produced for information purposes only. And as such, the views contained herein are not to be taken as advice or recommendation to buy or sell any investment or interest thereto. Reliance upon information in this material is at the sole discretion of the recipient. The material was prepared without regard to specific objectives, financial situation, or needs of any particular receiver. Any research in this asset has been obtained and may have been acted upon by J.P. Morgan Asset Management for its own purpose. The results of such research are being made available as additional information and do not necessarily reflect the views of J.P. Morgan Asset Management. Any forecasts, figures, opinions, statements of financial market trends, or investment techniques and strategies expressed are those of J.P. Morgan Asset Management, unless otherwise stated, as of the date of production. They are considered to be reliable at that time, but no warranty as to the accuracy and reliability or completeness in respect of any error or omission is accepted. They may be subject to change without reference or notification to you. J.P. Morgan Asset Management is the brand for the asset management business of J.P. Morgan Chase & Company and its affiliates worldwide. J.P. Morgan Distribution Services Incorporated. Copyright 2018. J.P. Morgan Chase & Company.